0: slash the codex cantina it all helps us in running the show along with commercials guys so thank you so much we're going to do a quick commercial break and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode because the study of metaphysics epistemology and solipism aren't enough on their own jorge luis borges crams them all into a 12 page short story for your enjoyment today
1: (laughs) it felt like a lot more than 12 pages. This felt like a full <laughs> novel. There's so much to digest. There are so many layers upon layers upon layers. I mean, this makes onions look simple.
0: Talon Akbar Orbis <laughs> Tortillas, <laughs> or something along those lines, by Jorge Luis Borges, published in 1940 in Sur. What a trip of a story. And let's just say this. Let's, let's go up front. If your takeaway is like drastically different or, hey, like I had a different view on this, that's okay. Welcome to Borges, where he creates thought experiments, right? And sometimes it's not the answer that matters. It's the question. And maybe the answers you come up with say more about you or maybe what's just on your mind at that point in time. So, we're going to go through the story today. We're going to break it down and kind of have some discussions about it. But I want to put that, disc- you know, the Borges disclaimer up there, if you will.
1: Of course. I, for one, I think took a little bit of a different takeaway from this particular story. But this one is surreal for sure. Let's move into that plot.
0: What we would call a plot, like what's in the story. But as as we said... <laughs> Which story? <laughs> this, this is the usual Borges where he like uses... Narrative. He draws you in, he gets you invested, but it's like a launching off point to do this thought experiment, right? So it's going to start off plotty and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, where are you going with this? <laughs> so the narrator tells us how he discovered Ukbar about 15, I'm oh, sorry, five years ago. And he's got to thank the mirror in his country estate and a combination of his encyclopedia. His friend Bjoy makes a statement and then he claims that this statement came from ukbar this country like, doesn't everybody know ukbar come on i'm talking about ukbar yeah, here of course i do you duh uh, so they're like okay hey, hey get out your encyclopedia let's look this up let's see use use nope no ukbar bro there, there ain't no ukbar in here right so oh you have got right, the so, wrong
1: encyclopedia <laughs> yeah,
0: so his friend goes back to his house has the same encyclopedia except it's got four missing pages which so happened to be the Ukbar pages, right? And this is where things kind of get a little bit strange because while most of the contents are kind of boring on Ukbar, it's it's these, this thing about their literature referring to fantasy realm, realms of Talon and Melknas, but we never really hear about Melknas, at least not Nas that I've heard of. <laughs> and that's where we get to part two. And this is really the launching off experiment where we're gonna dive into like these fantasy realms, if you will. So Herbert Ash was an engineer for the Southern Railway Line. And he had a little plaque to remember him by. Isn't that great? You can see all his photos so of when he visited England. Yeah, great guy, great guy. But he dies, right? One day he dies. Aneurysm, very sad. It was probably the story that killed him. Like he read the story and literally just...
1: <laughs>
0: but he leaves That's behind this English language written book uh, of 1,001 pages and it's an encyclopedia on Toulon, a.k.a. this fake realm okay that that Ukbar individuals have made up and orbis tertius. um i had the feeling it was like an organization that created the book it's kind of hard to understand but behind that but but they're the ones behind this book like this fictional realm of Tilon, created an Ukbar. hence the very strange title for those of you that are like what the heck does that title mean There are various elements within this group that dispute the facts as they wonder who invented Toulon and whether it was one person or a group of individuals, because much of Toulon's classical culture is based on psychology of the mind. Objects don't exist in discrete space here, and thus they exist out in temporal space. The people uh, also believe in subjective idealism. So put on your big boy pants, we're talking philosophy today, right? Uh, And then we'll walk through that. We'll walk through that. But uh, as a result, everything, everything is immaterial. It's out of physicality and only in our minds is the main takeaway. Thus, when the doctrine of materialism shows up, (gasps) everybody is in an uproar. Now, if, Equality entailed identity, meaning there's more to things than the observable. We have some issues. And we learned that Talon's geometry is split between visceral, tactile, and since knowledge is universal, there are no authors on Talon. So that's kind of the thought experiment side of things if, if you're getting lost there. And then there's a, a postscript that kind of talks about how the, the text came to be. So let's jump into some discussion because that's where the meat of this one is, right?
1: This one is definitely a... Thought experiment, and for me, I think the big standout was that the the physicality and the spiritualness of how uh, Talon Ukbar is different than I think what Borges is saying is in our reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, the laws are, it's like Bizarro World, the laws are inverted on <laughs> in this Talon universe, in a sense. Uh, but there are people who really are idealists. There are people who are immaterialists, and I can't perfectly represent them, but I will try to talk to it the best that I can. I, I, I don't fully subscribe to that, so I realize I may get some things wrong. But let's start in the, before we get to metaphysics, right, because there's a million things to talk about with this, let's start with epistemology, because I feel like the the beginning's more grounded, and it's even interesting, the word choices that Jorge has here. Because he says, the opening line he talks about, I owe the discovery of Ukbar. Discovery. What do you mean discovered, Ukbar? You just learned about it in the dictionary, but you use the word discover as if it didn't exist until you learned about it. Setting up a lot of what's going to happen. Yeah, a very subtle opening. But already we're playing with what do we know And when is it true or not, right? Because we have this quote where there's this omission of details where Cesare says that he had come to dinner at my house that evening and we had lost all track of time in a vast debate over the way one might go about composing a first person novel whose narrator would omit or distort things and engage in all sorts of contradictions. (laughs) It's like a little mini of this story right there warning you about all the crazy stuff that's about to happen, right?
1: I think that's the rule book to following along this story. But this is where I think maybe we start to disagree on our own interpretations of the story. For me, I took that as that he's starting off his story of taking a little bit of swing at maybe no religion in particular. Um, maybe he is going after a particular religion. I I don't know. Uh, but that there is a vast debate on how one might go writing the story of, say, a savior of some sort And then changing or distorting things because there are different versions of what takes place in the realm Mm. of a religion. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So you have the different books, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were actually going to say like, like even just across religions, like how could there be different sources of truth? You're saying even just within like the gospels themselves?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you could do it either way. You could say in all religions, how could a narrator say that this is their God and this is the right one when there is another group claiming that theirs is the right one. But even even in within the Gospels themselves, each of the narrators omit certain things, obviously, if, if they're all true, then some of them are distorting things as well because all of their stories are different about, you know, the, the, even the, the, the birth and the resurrection of Christ.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I took it a totally different way. I didn't go down that route at all because I thought this was kind of like the the epistemology challenge because one encyclopedia has information and one doesn't. So, so not so instead of jumping over to uh, cuz I don't I don't know how we got to the religion, but I can see like the parallels there. But even just talking about just right. two books, right? Okay. If we're just talking about two encyclopedias, one has four additional pages, one's missing them. Which one's right? Like is, is the one with the four pages right because it acknowledges information, or is because this one doesn't acknowledge it? Does that mean that it's wrong, or does that just mean it's not backed up? Like like how do you know what the truth is when it comes to like documentation of, of what's happened?
1: And if you don't have another credible source to back up, uh, if you don't have a third one to break the tie, then it's choice.
0: Well, here's another thing. Think about Ukbar, right? When we write history, you're a historian, right? You are a legitimately by-trade historian. This is and true. What, is there not a difference when a, a story can be accredited to a person or an individual point-in-time truth as opposed to being this nebulous, well, it's out there, We've heard this story. Lots of people talk about this story. Like there's a big difference between attributable facts and unattributable facts. And you even see that with like, you know, teachers when they assign classes, like they teach you when you're first starting, like, okay, this is how you cite. You have to be able to prove it's attributable and it's good practice, right? It keeps you from being in this nebulous outworld of they say, right? But but you'll notice that what does it mean when this culture doesn't have authors, That they say that there's no one author of this text. It's a group of texts. Is it still the truth then? Or is it, if it's unattributable, how do you know if you can trust it?
1: Yeah, that's the hard part about proving one's thesis in history is you need multiple sources and you also need something that is credible from multiple people. But what if you do have, say, instance, something like Santa Claus, for example, Mm. Lots of different sources, lots of different, um, to use your word, I think you said hearsay. How do you know that one is fact and one is fiction? Where is the line between reality and myth? And that's where in history, we have to look at those multiple sources to try to distinguish between that.
0: Well, and hearsay is an important line too, because hearsay is if, if you don't have the person making the claim in a court of law show up, then you can just throw it out. He said that she said this, right? Like that's, you can't use that in a court of law. You actually have to have the attributable truth. You have to have a physical source. And again, we're going to get to the point here, but you'll notice we're ending up at something physical, something of this world, something that you can hold, touch, a source, right? And now we go over to this other world where there's nothing of the world. It's of the mind. And what does that mean for truth in that situation, which is, I thought, uh, an interesting... I I guess I'd never... I'm not an idealist. I'm not an immaterialist, per se. Uh, I'm kind of in between on those hearts. (laughs) I'm inconsistent, (laughs) depending on the day. But I've never thought about the challenge to truth and epistemology. Even if you look at some crazy... Okay, let's go out in conspiracy world, right? Okay. You've got those people that are like... Moon didn't happen. We never landed on the moon. That's all doctored. That's fake. You Photoshop that. Like there's people who legitimately are like 100% set. This is the truth, right? And that's the point in time where they're saying even a physical item, like a picture or documented, like tons of sources of NASA and all these scientists saying this is what's happened. It's all fake.
1: One way I think you could think about the truth is that is that something that's tangible? And in this case, we're saying that it is because of the encyclopedias, but we are almost led to believe that Talon Ukbar is a mythical place, that it's not real, and that even in the story, some of the people that are creating it aren't real either, that they're made up characters. And I think that again, for me, I took this that religious route of that it it comes back to, well, it, it's faith. I, I have to believe in something that I can't see. Uh, I can see the moon. Um, they told me people go up there, so I'm going to believe them. And they say they have tangible proof that they have moon rocks., uh, so why wouldn't I believe that is kind of how it comes back to that idea of truth.
0: You can moonate it, right? because <laughs> they say they don't have like physical objects like moon, but you have to moonate. You're moonating, right So, Am I love-aiding my wife? Am I lust-aiding my wife? Like, I thought that was kind of interesting. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up an interesting point because uh, when it comes to physicality, there's one of my one of my favorite philosophers is Wittgenstein, a newer love for me, actually. But uh, he's got this experiment we we'll call the beetle in the box. Have you heard about it?
1: I think you've told me about this before.
0: So this is, his argument is that Language, and we've, well, we've talked about similar things with Clary Sealy Spector, where language is imperfect and language isn't of itself a thing. Language is a facsimile of a thought, right? We have a thought and it's translated into this impure language that attempts to have a, a, a conveyance, a way of communicating information to another person yeah correct so his idea is the beetle in the box is let's pretend you got 10 people sitting around y'all got a box you can open it up and you can look at this little beetle in there look look at that little guy look at that hey crypto what's your beetle look like
1: he is purple
0: okay well mine's purple too how many legs does yours have
1: one two three four five six seven eight maybe oh maybe it's a spider
0: oh i yeah i've got eight legs too Do do you have antennae two How big is your beetle?
1: Uh, About yay big.
0: (laughs) I think we have the same beetle. Mine mine looks exactly the same. Cool. So here's the thing, though. You will never be able to see my beetle. No matter how long you go about describing it, okay, we can have very similar ones. Maybe they're slightly different in some way that we're unweighed to convey. Like, we could sit here for an hour trying to describe this, and you'd think you'd get there, but we're never able to fully picture each other's beetle. Imagine if this were human beings. Does yours have two legs? Yeah. Does it have two arms? Yeah. How long is its hair? Like, we could do silly comparisons like that. <laughs> but could you ever really describe my face so perfectly to someone, they'd know exactly what I look like?
1: I could never describe something so handsome.
0: And it's oh. all... <laughs> <laughs> so I think even when you look at sketch artists, it's amazing. Even when they get kind of close, you're like, "Oh, wow, that's actually kind of interesting." But it's not—it's not a lifelike photo. It's not a photo. It's—it's it's not the real person. And that's kind of the argument of knowledge and this—this—this this, this usage of language to translate thoughts. So when we go to this Toulon, and everything is of the mind, I think it's kind of interesting to think about how imperfect language is and the usage of the facsimiles, right? Because they talk about facsimiles and like how things are, you know, copied or put in in these letters that are sent across. You know, you had the 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 word for cowboy, the gaucho that is pronounced differently in Uruguayan or how some books even like they look the same but there's a difference of four pages. You have a lot of talks about the truth and copies of it and facsimiles of it and reproductions of it. And isn't that everything about how language works, too, about language are copies of thoughts and how imperfect it is? <laughs>
1: so did a lot of this language make you mad? As I know you sometimes are like, ah, the, the, the language isn't conveying correctly. And I, I sometimes, because I don't speak Portuguese or read Portuguese, I felt like a lot of this was made up. Like, these are not real words that, that he's using for this fictional place, these fictional words, because the Talonians, i guess you could call them don't have nouns that's very weird to have a society based all around subjectivity
0: well borges wrote in spanish so
1: oh okay to to an extent yes yeah
0: Yeah, so to an extent i i but i get your point um think of it this way let's put it a different way your wife says to you do these jeans make my butt look big (laughs) <laughs> what, is yes. what, is sa- what is she saying what does she say what
1: does she say she's looking for affirmation for me either positive or negative i don't know but either way i'm getting in trouble
0: <laughs> she's looking for attention she's looking for affirmation that you find her attractive something along those lines so can we ever trust language can we ever fully trust signatures it's it's a little preposterous but it's also worth thinking about from a perspective of everything that is conveyed is this imperfect facsimile of what's the truth. And how many times do things get conveyed? How many times does this encyclopedia get printed before there's a mistake? There's four pages missing, so all of a sudden, Uqbar just wiped off the face of this planet. Because to, to these, these people from Talon, if you're not in someone's mind, you don't exist. That is the only place that there is power. And that's the only place where you have truth because everything after that, with the words and the pictures, are cheap knockoffs.
1: The copy of the copy is never good as the original, and we're all just copies of someone else. Oh, boy, he's killing me. Hurt my brain. Yeah. (laughs) It's 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 a beautiful thing. I love it.
0: It's the isness of the story. We all know what it is or what the isness is. But once you start to break it down, you start to get really lost, right? And I think that's what's kind of interesting, because as soon as you start reading the story, we're already in the game because all we're reading are printed words for us in English in the native language Spanish right but we're picturing people we're picturing these events these are these are just 26 rearranged words and Spanish has more with the different you know accents and such but you have a finite number of characters that are producing images and experiences in our minds. My beetle might look different from your beetle but the fact that they're both coming from the same word, and you have a different interpretation about religion as opposed to me dealing with this metaphysical, epistemological, epistemologic, uh, I can't speak today, epistemology, that word. We come to different conclusions over the same source. How did that happen if we can't say that language is imperfect? Facsimiles cause ripples, if you will, in truth.
1: For me, I felt like that the language itself was imperfect and that I kept thinking, how am I going to figure this one out? How am I going to break this one down? Uh, where is this place? What do these people do? How are they different than me? And I I was okay with not figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Where did you think it was? Where did you well, think Talon car was? I think there was a like, lot which, of... Did you imagine it somewhere on the planet? Cause I kept trying to do that. And hopefully that would help me understand it better.
0: I was like in space kind of like experiencing this world, but I don't know. I felt like I had a little bit more of a line thrown to me maybe than had like the, the line that you were thrown. There were names thrown in there like George Berkeley or Hume. Do, do those names mean anything to you when you hear those?
1: Hume was something, but I can't remember George. Definitely not. But the the David <laughs> Hume name, that, that, that rang a bell.
0: Yeah, David Hume, right, and George Berkeley, famous philosophers. So to me, these were the lines that Borges is throwing out, saying, like, hey, I'm playing off of these concepts, see where you go with it. Because I mean, I think Borges is, is meant to have you go off in your own direction. I don't think he'd be upset if you go a different way. But George Berkeley is basically kind of like this idealist, right? And I'll give you the, the definition of idealism any of various systems of thought in which the objects of knowledge, are held to be in some way dependent on the activity of the mind, AKA immaterialism, right? The people of Toulon, where if you, if you remember, they said all the the disciplines on Toulon, like, you know, doctors, mathematics, all made up physics, screwed mathematics, all of this rolls (laughs) up. It rolls up into psychology. Why? Because they're all idealists here. Everything is of the mind, and that's kind of like why he's throwing out those lines there, right? And you had the Hume quote. Hume noted for all time that Berkeley's arguments did, did not admit the slightest refutation, nor did they cause the slightest conviction. Because here's what's interesting is David Hume argues causes and effects may be discoverable by experience, but that they may not be discoverable by reason alone. So what does that mean? Go back to, we've talked about Henri Bergson, right, who has got that famous experience of, you could show someone a million pictures, they're not going to know the city, have them walk through the streets for 15 minutes, they get it, right, it's experience that gives you something, because cause and effect is you can't look at something, a picture of someone on the moon, and be like, I know how that was taken, right, we we jetted off into space. We invented you know this thing called a spaceship. We sent people you know m- millions of miles, thousands of miles. I don't know how far the moon is. I'm sorry, I may, I'm making up numbers here as if I'm a scientist. But <laughs> you send people across space and have this really. How can you know that you did all that just from the picture? And you can't. And that's why the argument of of idealism is that you can't know the truth just from effect you have to you have to have this experience to understand the cause in a sense again not a master of it but i i felt like a lot of really interesting pulls on that from borges's story here
1: yeah for sure i i definitely looked at it the religious route but i also kind of thought about what is he referencing in here and you talk about a couple of the philosophers towards the end of the story It makes a couple of references um you know about chess and games and I think that that's something too is he's, he's playing a little bit of a game with us. And I think that it it, is almost meta. I thought, why is he making all of this up? You know, what is he, who is he trying to convince that this is a real place and that it's been lost to history is to Akbar a real place here on earth. And the, the words say third orb, which is where the third rock from the sun. Mm -hmm. So that this is, this is a real place. And maybe he's the only one because Is the main character Borges himself? Is he putting himself in this story for real? And that this is a a lost civilization that we don't know anything about? That is pretty interesting of that there's this labyrinth of information that you have to digest. And it's very convoluted. It's unclear, you know, whether this is an illusion or there is a truth out there for it. Uh, Can you break down this path to figure out this super intelligent secret society made thing? Or was it a real place that history just lost because we don't have a verifiable source and, you know, history is written by the winners. Did somebody wipe this civilization out? And there's only that one copy left that is the true copy of information.
0: Well, there's the old saying, seeing is believing, right? And to jumping back to your religious standpoint, Sometimes it comes down to faith because you can't really see if if immaterialism is a real thing. If 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 God is immaterial, he's he's out of time, you're not going to see that, right? Like that's why you have to kind of, to your point, have this faith thing to kind of get there. And I will say this too, if you're going to combine that with the previous example that we just talked about, cause and effect, you have, I think, kind of like the interesting argument of the teleological argument. Cause we have the effect. We have this fine-tuned universe how did it get this way right and if if it's not a god how does everything become fine tuned is the teleological argument and one of the famous counters to that is of course the puddle example which goes like this if you imagine a puddle waking up one morning and thinking this is an interesting world i'm finding myself an interesting hole i find myself in fits me rather neatly doesn't it in fact it fits me staggeredly well it must have been made for me And that's the argument of like just because something fills this shape, you assume that it was designed to fill that shape. But you don't have a a, a big enough grasp of the rest of the universe to really understand how that shape came to be and was it just a coincidence, sample size of one. And that's part of the challenge of cause and effect, that when you have a facsimile, when you have words, you don't get the cause behind it. You don't see the beetle behind someone's mind. When you have these immaterial things in your mind and you can't convey it or you can't understand the creation, to your point about God, and why do we have different uh, versions of, of a gospel? So, you know, why do, why do people convey things differently? And I think a lot of that comes down to the you can't get to the cause from the effect. And we ended up at different locations from the same words that you and I read. We ended up maybe at different interpretations and studies of these words, too. How did that happen if we started at the same place? And I think that's just kind of like this really interesting thought experiment that what he's put out there for us
1: i also feel like i cheated a little bit because the whole time i was thinking about a couple of the other stories the garden of forking paths and the library of babel i felt like those just fit so well with this story and could be intertwined as almost like a little trilogy of thinking okay so we have space time this imaginary place maybe real place and then the library of babel thrown in there in the mix of having all the knowledge in one place did they know that this place exists or not and i'm just like oh so maybe i had a little bit a few more words than you because my brain kept going back to those other uh you know borges stories too well, There's so. nothing wrong
0: with that there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> i don't think there's <sighs> when people say you're wrong about something it just it just really it sounds so weird to me because like this is my interpretation. This is what I took away from it. There are, whoops, there are factual things that you can do wrong. Like you can misread a sentence, right? You can not understand the meaning of something behind something when it has an actual factual meaning. But that doesn't take away the experience someone have of being a good experience or thinking about something that meant something to them. That can still be a truth, whether it's based on something that's true or something that's untrue or like, like you misread something or didn't understand something. That's what's so interesting about literature is whether you made a mistake in that starting point, I don't know if it really matters. What matters is kind of exploring of, well, why did I have these views of these metaphysical problems? Why did you have these questions about, uh, you know, the, the idea of faith being of the mind and something you have to assume. I think those are things that tell us a lot more about ourselves than the text itself. And that's way more valuable than trying to argue over what Borges intended.
1: And that's kind of the whole point of our channel, right? Get people talking about books more often, more short stories, and these things to find more out about ourselves.
0: So as my friend Crypto mentioned, there are playlists down below where you can check out our other Borges talks where we were equally confused and probably rambled and were just like, hey, this is awesome. I I don't know why. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. My name is Una. We appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. Peace out.
1: Peace.